We're continuing our study in 1 Corinthians 15. And one of Paul's main argument in this chapter is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, a, is the historic fact. Paul's entire ministry and life is based on the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth, he died for our sins, and he was raised from the dead. This is a central reality that governed everything that Paul did. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of our faith. What do we believe in? We believe in that the Son of God, the author of life, who transcends time and space, 2,000 years ago, entered into human existence to live amongst us, to teach us. He died for our sins. And he was raised to life three days later. This is a historic fact. Christ came and he died for our sins and he was raised on the third day. Why did he come to die for our sins? It is so that we will be forgiven. Why was he resurrected? So that we will have life. I was in the... which. I was, which smuggle was I in on Sunday, on Friday? Daniel Chung's one. Whatever Daniel Chung's small group is, right? So I was at Daniel Chung's small group, and we were discussing last week's sermon. And this, this speaking of death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, during the conversation, it reminded me of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, Moses takes the people of God, and he takes them to Mount Gerizim. And in Mount Gerizim, Mo Moses, God speaks to Israel and says, if you obey God's law faithfully, you will receive blessing. If you obey God's law perfectly, God is going to establish your nation. God is going to prosper your nation. God is going to drive your enemies out. And you will flourish in that land. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, Moses takes the Israelites to Mount Ebal. And in Mount Ebal, God tells Israelites the curses that will come upon them if they disobey God. If you disobey God, God is going to pour his wrath on your nation and your nation will die. Mount Gerizim is a place of blessing. Mount Ebal was a place of cursing. Jesus is the only one who perfectly obeyed the law of God. He fully obeyed what God commanded in Mount Gerizim. But what did he get in return for his perfect obedience? Rather than the blessing that is promised, he got the curse of Mount Ebal. The reward for his obedience 
not the reward, I'm saying, the result of his obedience, his perfect obedience, led him to embrace the wrath of God. What do we get? Even though we are those who deserve the curses of Mount Ebal, we got the blessings of Mount Gerizim. It's a switch. Those who deserve wrath got the blessing. The one who deserved the blessing got the wrath. Why? So that we will live. So that we will be forgiven and we will have eternal life. That is why. And I was, as I was meditating about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, what is astonishing about his love is that when people repent, you forgive, right? When you say you are sorry, when you are sorry, and, some, and if you're a Christian, you forgive. But the thing about Jesus is, even before we repented, even before we knew that we deserve curses, he died for us anyway. While we were sinners, even before we were repented, while we were sinners, Christ died. Christ got the curse, even, even for people who did not repent. Oh, the love of Christ. Oh, the Father's love for us. I forgot the lyrics. Which is beyond all treasure. That is why he came. He came to die for our sins. And he was raised to life. That's a historic fact. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul backs up this historical claim by three ways. Number one, he says, the evidence of the fact that Jesus Christ's resurrection was a fact is number one, the church of Christ was formed. Verse one and, verse two, verse two, one and three, I think, it says, the gospel that you received in which you stand. What he means is, one of the ways that you know that the resurrection was a fact is, is that he says, look at you people. You were all once pagans, enemies of God. You were idol-worshipping, engaged in all sorts of immorality. But you have abandoned all those practices. And you have become the people who, are stand, who have the right standing before God. Your lives have been changed upside down. You've experienced the power of God, and that is why you're part of the church. He's saying, by the fact that you people received the gospel, became the church, is evidence of the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historic fact. In our church, I know a few, there are brothers and sisters in our church, that I know that the only way they became Christians was because God did his wonderful, gracious work in their lives. And as a result, they are different people. There are some brothers and sisters in our church where the resurrection is real because their lives are completely changed. And it isn't because I'm a good speaker. It is the power of God. The only reason why those people are Christians because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Second basis of the fact of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, not only are the, are the Corinthians Christians, 
He's saying the resurrection is a fact because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. In the 3,000 years of Jewish history prior to Christ, from Genesis to Malachi, there are prophecies describing what God's kingdom will look like, what God's Messiah will look like. I think Pastor Mike did a really good job a few weeks ago describing how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy. All throughout the Old Testament describes God's new king and the Messiah kingdom and the Messiah that will usher in his kingdom. Paul is saying resurrection is a fact because Jesus Christ is a perfect fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy. Resurrection is a fact, Paul says, number three, is because we have eyewitnesses who, who observed with their eyes the risen Lord. Paul says the risen Christ first appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then the other apostles, then to 500 living witnesses, and to finally to James. Cephas, apostles, 500 James, they all saw the resurrected Christ. And when Paul was writing 1 Corinthians, many of those witnesses still existed. So Paul is saying the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. It is a fact beyond all fact. It is a central event in all of existence. First Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Because Christ has been raised, everything in existence has been reconciled to God. When Adam sinned, not only humanity fell, all the creation fell. All the creation became disjointed, discombobulated. They're all out of place. But when Christ was resurrected, God is starting to put all things back into his proper place. Everything is reconciled to God because Christ has been raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact that is a central event in all of existence. That's Paul's argument. But verse 12 Paul is addressing the Corinthians. He says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Paul is talking to members of the Corinthian church who say there is no resurrection of the dead. He's not talking to unbelievers He's talking to people in the church. There are some people in the church that says there is no resurrection of the dead. These people thought it was perfectly possible to call themselves Christians and yet not believe in the resurrection of the dead. These people who claim to be Christians and not believing in resurrection, when they came to the Corinthian church, They've they saw the miracles of God. They did, right? Like the Corinthian church was crazy gifted, right? And they saw the, 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 these things happening. Not only that, they listened to Paul's teaching, Apollos' teaching, Peter's teaching, and a lot of the teachings that they listened to made sense. And as a result, they have no doubt in their hearts that God exists. And yet... 
even though they think God exists, they still don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. In fact, they think it is not really important to believe in the resurrection of the dead. Right? You can believe in the resurrection, you cannot believe in the resurrection of the dead and still call yourself children of God. That's what they thought. You can perfectly believe in God and have nothing to do with the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. Do you know that's possible? Do you know it's perfectly possible to think that you're a Christian and not care whether Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead? Do you know that? Why weren't these people convinced that Christ was raised from the dead? Number one, they thought it was philosophically absurd. Greek philosophy, as Pastor Eden said last week, believed that the body was bad. So is, evil, so is good, body is bad. Right? And their thinking is, why would Jesus return to this bad form? If Jesus is holy... Why would he come back to this fallen form? It's philosophically absurd. It's also scientifically absurd. How can so come, come on. After three days, the body decomposes. All the gas in your body leaves, right? There's no cell replication. You, are, you started to decay. How can you say a person in that estate, three days later, can come back from the dead? It is scientifically absurd. Therefore, they say, let's not talk more about that. That's just nonsense. And yet we still believe in God. That's what some of the Christian, Corinthian Christians were. Many people in the modern church, I think, are in similar shoes. They call themselves Christians, and yet the resurrection of Jesus Christ is meaningless to them. At best, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that you agree to when you, during baptism class, and after that, you don't think about it since. Many a Christian sermons, many a Christian songs, many of Christian practices has not, have nothing to do with the fact that Jesus Christ has been raised. When I was in my young, passionate, foolish days, oh, I was on fire for the Lord, right? Oh, the long, long, long prayer, early morning prayer meetings, right? The speaking in tongues, right? The passionate, you know, like teaching of the Bible, all these things I was involved for four years. And yet, if I look back, in my four years of passionate Christian living, I don't think I had any Bible study or any leaders meeting that talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those meetings were really all about what I can do for the Lord, what I can do for God, me, my experience with God. 
it had nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, no, it has everything to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is perfectly possible to sing Christian songs that has nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's this one song, I'm not going to tell you the name of this song or the, or, the, or the group that sang this song, but I was kind of intrigued by this song. These are the lyrics. This is the lyrics of this really popular Christian song. Ready? It won awards, by the way. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery In oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name and and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. This lyric sounds great. I have no idea what what, what it's trying to say. It sounds great. Can these lyrics exist without believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I think so. Can Muslims sing this song? I think so. Can an unbeliever sing this song and think it's true? I think so. I'm not criticizing anyone who wrote this song, but simply to point out, it is perfectly, perfectly possible to sing Christian songs and not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was listening to a Joel Alstein sermon this morning when I was coming here. Because that that is how I get psyched up, right? Joel Alstein's sermon is, 2020 was a bad year, but you have to endure this bad year because God God is preparing a blessing. He's saying, if you want to experience God's blessing, you will need to go through some tough times. That's what the message of the sermon was. Could such sermon exist without believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Sure it can. Would Muslims agree what Joe Alstein just said? You must go through suffering to God to bless you? Muslims will agree. Jews will agree. Even humanists will agree. You don't need the resurrection of Jesus Christ to listen and preach these sermons. Christianity without resurrection. It's possible. It happens all the time. How about you, my dear friends? Can you divorce your faith from the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ important in your relationship with God? is the only thing that defines your relationship with God is because Jesus Christ was erected from the, from the grave? Or can you become, have a right relationship with God apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is the resurrection relevant to your faith? Paul is saying it's impossible. It's impossible to be Christian without dwelling in, believing in, standing by 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, Paul says, how can, 12, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, and if Christ, but if, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Paul is saying, if there is no such thing as a resurrection of the dead, then Jesus Christ has not been raised. Jesus Christ remains dead. If there is no resurrection, Jesus Christ is dead. And if Jesus Christ is dead, verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Jesus Christ has not been, have not, have not been resurrected, if that's not a historical fact, Paul is saying, all the things that I preached to you in the last 18 months, Corinthians, it was useless and worthless. In fact, all the church planting that Paul did throughout Asia and Greece were useless. It would, have, it would have been better for the Corinthian, Corinthian people to stay in their paganism rather than, being to, rather than coming to Christianity if there is no resurrection from the dead, if Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, what you are doing now, what I am doing now, it is worthless. You are wasting your time. You should go out and play golf or enjoy this day or sleep in or do something. Because that is more, they are more beneficial than listening to this if Christ has not been raised. All the sleepless long nights that I took to prepare for this sermon is worthless. Pastor Ujin's entire career, worthless if Christ has not been raised. Your faith is worthless if Christ has not been raised from the dead. What are you doing here? Why do you believe what you believe? Why? What's the point if Christ is dead? If Jesus Christ did not physically raise from the dead, what's the point of doing these things? What's the point of your sacrifice? What's the point of giving at sbcem.org? What's the point? Save your money and use it to buy better things. Don't give to the church, man. What are you doing? Buy your parents a Mercedes. Save money to buy a burger house. Send your kids to private school. Don't give to the church for crying, crying out loud. If Jesus Christ has not been raised, that's what Paul is saying. Not only that, verse 15, verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ. Paul is saying, not only is our preaching useless, your faith useless if Christ has not been raised from the dead. He's saying, guys like me and Peter and Matthew we are liars. We're misrepresenting God. 
if Christ did not raise from the dead. Why? The entire New Testament is about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead and the, and the consequences thereof. Paul is saying, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then all of the writings in the New Testament, they're all lies. You should just rip them out. Don't even bother reading it. I want to read the New Testament because they want, I want to find inspiring things. No, don't do it. It's bogus. It's a lie. If Christ has not been raised from the dead. What did the Jews accuse the disciples of doing, right? When Jesus Christ, after three days, right, they, they put Jesus in, in a tomb and, he left, and they left Jesus in the tomb. Three days later, the body was gone. What did the Jewish leaders accuse of the disciples doing? They accused disciples of coming into the grave in the night, taking Jesus' body, right? And then, like, and then taking it somewhere else so that they could say that they, there's an empty tomb. That's what the disciples were accused of. Disciples took the body of Jesus away to make up evidence of the fact that the, there's an empty tomb so that they will start a religion, a new religion. That's what they're accused of. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then they're absolutely right. Disciples did that. If there is no resurrection of the dead, Christ is still dead. And we all, we're all believing in lies. Verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Why did Jesus come? He came to save his people from their sins. That's what the angel told Joseph and Mary. You will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. If Jesus Christ just died for you, there is no forgiveness. Him dying for you is not enough. Romans 4.25, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Paul is saying, the only reason, Paul is saying, because Christ has been raised you are justified before God. Him dying for you is not enough. He has to be raised for you to justify that you are in the right position with God. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, you are still condemned before God. You are. I don't think mo all the people in the world, we are not fully aware of the damage that our sins cause. That's what I'm realizing. The more people that I talk to, they are, they are experts in knowing how other people damage them. We are, we are experts in knowing how other people wronged me. But we are blind to how we wrong other people. 
If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, one day he will let you see exactly what you have done, exactly what I have done, the damages that we have caused. And he will say, you pay for it. One day we will see the consequences of our sins. We will. I'm I'm sure we will. even those sins that, that, you know, that we've forgiven ourselves for, we're really gracious to ourselves. Do you know that? Right, right? We commit sin, and then we feel bad for a little bit, and then time just magically washes that guilt away. And we think those washed-away guilt remains washed away. They don't. They're, they're not. There are traces of damages that you and I caused. And one day, God will make you see it clearly. If Christ has not been raised, God will say, you pay for it. That's what Paul means when he says, we are still in our sins if Christ has not been raised. We are still in our sins also means we are still under the power of sin. What is the power of sin? We believe lies are true and truth are lies. We invest our entire life on futile, worthless things. This life that God has given us, we waste it on buying foolish things. I remember when I was younger, there was this like 18-year-old kid um, and he didn't go to college. I think well, he was doing like menial jobs, like five menial jobs. Why? To buy an Audi TT. You know the Audi TTs? He's working five jobs to pay for that car. Rather than getting being educated, rather than, you know, helping out his mom, all the hours to buy that, to pay for that car. That's futility. The curse of sin is like that kid. We spend our entire life building things, pursuing things that really don't matter at all. We love things that destroy us. We're attracted to things that destroy us. We let our moral morality be defined by the foolish intellectuals of society. And we can't get out of our sins. If Jesus Christ has not been raised, you are still there. You are under the power of sin. I am under the power of sin. If Jesus Christ has not been raised, Paul says, verse 18, then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He means if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then those who have died before Christ's return, they're eternally gone. What is the hope of a Christian? I love the, word, I love the way that Paul uses the word fallen asleep. 
He, he, he uses this word to describe death. To Paul, for a Christian, after they die, after our time in this world is over, we open our eyes and we will see glory of Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, I, I did a, I, I, I love, I did a endo, endoscopy, you know, where they like shove like cameras on your throat to see whether you have an ulcer. In Korea, they, they knock you out. Oh, I love being knocked out. So I remember like them putting like, I think, I don't know what they did, put anesthesia in my arm. And I just remember being like, like bed, like, you know, carted in to an operating room. It's all dark. And I remember the doctor trying to shove a camera down my throat. And I go, oh, and I fell asleep. And I woke up and I was in a hospital bed. Oh, that was the best feeling in the world. Paul describes death that way. For a moment, you go, oh. And when you wake up, you will see glory. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, those people will never wake up. They're eternally gone. There is no eternal life. This world is all you have. And when this life is over, you are done. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, verse 19, if, Christ have, if in Christ we have hope in this life, we are, all, we, are, we are of all people most to be pitied. What he's saying is this, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then people like Paul are to be pitied because they suffered much for the sake of the gospel. How did, how did Paul suffer? First, Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul describes in detail the suffering that he received for the sake of the gospel. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. He says five times he received lashes, 40, 39 lashes. You know what lashes are? Have you seen Passion of the Christ? Jesus being whipped, and as he's whipped, Chunks of flesh just comes out of his body. Paul received 39 of those lashes. Five times. Can you imagine enduring 39 of those whips? Five times? Three times I was beaten with rods. In Singapore, if you commit like crime, one of the punishments is flogging. They hit you with a giant rod, and it's very effective in controlling crime because those once you get hit by those rod once, you will never forget. You will never want to commit a crime ever again. Paul got flogged with those rods, he says, three times three times. Once I was pelted with stones, Paul says. People took me by the, back, by the back of the mountain and threw stones at me to kill me, Paul says. 
I have been constantly, I have been shipwrecked three times. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Everyone wanted him dead, and they came after him. His life was that of constant running, constant looking over his shoulders. I have labored and toiled, often without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked for the sake of the gospel. But if Jesus Christ has not been raised, all that suffering was for nothing. The lashes, the beating, the sh being shipwrecked, being poor, being hungry, all of it was for a lie. You know how the apostle Andrew died? Andrew was one of the original 12 disciples. They gave him the chance to recant Christianity, he didn't. So they beat him to the inch of his life and they crucified him. His body was broken and bleeding and battered. And after that, they crucified Andrew. But rather than nailing his hand and feet like they did Jesus, they tied it. Why? So that, so that Andrew will die a slower death. He will bleed out. So for two days, he was up there on the cross. And what did he do for two days while bleeding and dying on the cross? He was preaching to passerbyers. He was bleeding and dying, and yet he was still preaching Jesus. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, Andrew's death was for nothing. Alistair Begg's hero, a missionary medical doctor, spent his entire life in the mission fields. When he came to America, he didn't have any money, so he spent the remainder of his days living in a little room that his friend gave him in his house. All that man had when he died was his Bible and his little notebook. He, he gave everything out in the field, and he came back with nothing. If Christ was not raised from the dead, that man is to be pitied because he's wasted his life. If Christ has not been raised, they're pitied. We are fools. I'm a liar. And you're wasting your time. You should go out and play golf right now. But if Christ did raise from the dead, if Christ did raise from the dead, then he is alive. He is alive. And if he is alive, then everything that, said, that was said about him is true. If Christ has been raised from the dead, he is alive, and what he says, it's true. He really is the word of life, which means 
every, it's like this existence is governed by information, right? It is. Your cells, gravity, everything is governed by information. It is governed by information because he spoke ex his information into existence. We exist because he is the word of life. Everything was created for him, by him, through him. If Jesus Christ is alive, he is the living king. He rules over all. Joe Biden doesn't rule all. Those foolish intellectuals, Harvard, don't rule all. The powerful men, the secret society leaders, they're not the rulers of the world. Jesus Christ is the ruler of the world. If he has been raised. If he has been raised, there is not an inch of your life that he does not govern. Did you know that? If Jesus Christ has been raised, what we do today, right now, is not a waste of time. It is the most important thing that we can do because if Jesus Christ has been raised, what he says is true. His words are true. Not our perception, our thinking is true. What he says is true. If Jesus Christ is alive, then he is the only way to God. All other religions are false. That's hate speech, by the way, today. If Jesus Christ is alive, all other religions and philosophies are lies and they're false. They're false. If Jesus Christ is alive, then that he will truly judge everyone's sin. He will return and to judge everyone's sin. But if Jesus Christ is alive, there is also forgiveness of sins. Your sins can actually be forgiven. You can actually be restored to life because he lives. If Jesus Christ, if, if, because Jesus Christ is alive, there is a perfect kingdom coming. This world is failing and falling and, and be, it, 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 it's, it's closing and God's kingdom will come because he is alive. If Jesus Christ is alive, then living for him in this world, even if, if, even if that involves suffering, is the only way to live. If Jesus Christ is alive, living for the kingdom to come is the most wise way to live. If Jesus Christ is alive, living for the fallenness of temporary things of this world, that's foolishness. Living for eternity, that, that's what makes sense. Is Jesus Christ alive to you? Is he alive? If he is, everything that is said about him is true. You need to align your life with who he is rather than asking you to align who he is to you. Jesus Christ is alive. Paul died for it. Andrew died for it. Countless people 
gave their lives and their possession because of it. Is Jesus Christ alive to you? Do you know that he is alive? Do you know that he's king? Let's pray. Father, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a religious doctrine that we agreed to to become Christians. It is the center place, central event in all of existence. Because you were raised from the dead, our sins are forgiven. Because you are raised from the dead, we are justified before the Father. Because you have been raised from the dead, your kingdom will come. The ruler of this world are not the presidents and the kings and the queens and the intellectuals of the world. The ruler of the world is you. Foolish men try to devise ways to circumvent your law, but Lord, they will all perish. They will all perish. Though, because ultimately your law, your standards, your righteousness will stand. Every inch of our lives are governed by you. Even when we go through uncertainty, we do not fear because we know the king, that the, that the king controls all. Our hearts are rejoiced by your love for us. Because you have died for our sins, we are made clean. And because you have been raised from the dead, Lord, we have eternal life. Oh, Lord, what a privilege that is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything. Maybe there's some of us here this morning who thought it was possible to call ourselves Christians without believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Correct that misunderstanding and help us to understand, really understand, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything. And may we rejoice and have confidence by knowing this truth. Because you have been raised, everything that was said about you in the Bible is true. May we be active pursuers in knowing the risen King. Father, lead us correctly and rightly. Father, there are some of us who are going through many difficult times. Father, I pray, we pray, that whether we have parents who are ill and who are in serious conditions. May the resurrection give them hope. That even though some of our parents' bodies may be broken and, and are not falling, because Christ has been raised, their, 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 temporary con their current condition is only temporary. There will be eternal glory that is awaiting them. May they be hopeful in that. May those of us who are going through financial difficulties know that because you have been raised, you control, every, every, you control the timing of all things, and may they take comfort in that. May all of us know, Lord, that we are worshiping the living King and not a dead idea. Persuade us mightily, Lord. All these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.